the San Francisco Experience podcast. Independent commentary from a Silicon Valley, California perspective for a global audience, featuring newsmakers, thought leaders, and authors. Season 21, Episode 18. AI and the Future of Education. The Promise and Pitfalls. Talking with Itai Xu, UC Berkeley Extension Instructor. Artificial intelligence offers the prospect of personalized learning, intelligent tutoring, universal accessibility, automated grading and feedback, natural language processing, and intelligent content creation, among many, many other features. But we're at the early stages of integrating AI into the system. After all, it was only a few months ago that ChatGPT, a generative AI chatbot, burst on the scene with over 100 million subscriber downloads in a matter of weeks. With us today to explore how AI will radically change how we educate our students is Itai Xu. He joins us from his office in Berkeley, California. Hi, Itai, and welcome to the show. Hi, Jim. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Tell us about yourself and your experience as a teacher. All right. Well, uh, thanks so much for the introduction. Uh, my experience with a teacher is actually pretty light. I am currently an instructor at UC Berkeley Extension. I'm one year into this side of my career. I teach marketing research for its entrepreneurship program. I have a background in digital advertising and online marketing, and I decided to give teaching a try, something that I've always wanted to do for a while. So I jumped in uh, getting involved with the UC Berkeley system and and have had a a great year doing it so far. And an interesting year it's been. I didn't expect to uh, jump into teaching, only to be uh, faced with this amazing uh, challenge of what does it mean for um, the changing face of academics and education with AI. So we can certainly spend a lot of time talking about that. I'm also uh, the founder of a nonprofit called LaunchPoint. And what we do is we focus on the career development of college students from underrepresented communities by getting them prepared for and placed in professionally relevant internships. So I still uh, consult for e-commerce uh, companies and digital agencies. Uh, that background in digital marketing and advertising technology. I've got about 20, 20 years of experience doing that. And throughout that time, I've seen the evolution of AI. Uh, you know, originally within the ad tech companies I'd worked with using machine learning and, and kind of early iterations of AI to, to determine in real time which ads get served to which user. And over time, seeing more and more uh, innovative applications coming to market to really increase the the productivity of advertisers and marketers from analytics to copywriting to creative development. Mm -hmm. Well, let's launch into artificial intelligence in a classroom setting. How will instructors and students adapt to it? Yeah, well, I mean, AI has been been getting more and more capable with the launch of ChatGPT earlier this year. We've seen 
amazing slash eerie, you know, results, uh, followed by Bard uh, from, from Google. Incredibly powerful and easy to use. If you're new to it, you can simply type in something as simple as, hey, write me a 500-word essay on the life of George Washington, and boom, you've got at least an A-minus paper for you. I mean, it's been known to be able to pass the bar exam. A lot of my colleagues in education across all grade levels, we could very quickly start to see AI and, and ChatGPT4 start to creep into what students were turning in. And like I said, this is my first year. And, you know, I mean, fall of 2022 wasn't a whole lot uh, going on, but then spring of 2023, it just kind of blew up. And, and all of a sudden, every educator across the world was kind of faced with this challenge of what do we do in the face of AI now in, this, uh, in, in the classroom? So I'm a part-time instructor. I teach at a college level. So I count myself as being very, very fortunate. I can actually roll with the punches. I can be pretty adaptable. I can kind of uh, change directions in the middle of a semester. For full-time educators, especially in like, you know, K to 12, I have an incredible amount of respect for what they're going through and the road ahead of them. The new academic semester is coming up here in August. I've already kind of changed my syllabus and made some adaptations for middle school and high school. They're, they're kind of beholden to a curriculum that is very, very difficult to change. It certainly can't be changed in the middle of a school year. So, uh, like I said, I think I've got it got it easy in the face of these challenges, but certainly for uh, that's not the case for a lot of the educators around me. Can I just jump in there with a question? Let's come back to your example about the assignment, write an essay about the life of George Washington, and ChatGPT will give you that essay, and it's an A-minus essay. Now, in my day in college, there was such a thing as plagiarism. And uh, original thought was required on the part of my college instructors. How do you balance that concern about plagiarism, the lack of original thought, simply lifting something off chat GPT, turning it in and expecting an A minus? Surely that's not what we're facing, is it? And actually, I think I, I made a number of my high school uh, teacher friends angry. They, they, <laughs> they swear it's okay. It's maybe a B to B plus. You know? So yeah, you're absolutely right. There's a tried and true definition around plagiarism. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and that's students have been gaming the system since the dawn of education. <laughs> sure. You know, I mean, plagiarism has been, been an issue for ages. So we know what plagiarism is. You know, there's you know there's technology and processes you know, and a policy around how to identify it, how to penalize it. So it's very clear to both, you know, teachers and to students, well, if you if you plagiarize and you're caught, these are the consequences. The challenge with AI is that the definition is still a little, well, it's still fuzzy. Uh, you can't you know, copy and paste, you know, I mean, uh, AI text and put in a plagiarism and expect, you know, I mean, a decent result or, or anything insightful. There are a number of like, you know, tools that, you know, I mean, considered AI detection tools mm-hmm. that, are, that are meant to kind of sniff out what is the likelihood that this text was written by an AI. That's very controversial. It's these tools have been known to um, inadvertently flag human written text as AI. And AI is only going to get better. I mean, at, at sniffing out the kind of the human nuances to not be flagged as AI written. And, you know, you talk to any 
you listen to any AI experts, you know, on different podcasts, and they will tell you flat out that these AI detection tools won't work. You know, they don't work right now. And, you know, as AI continues to develop, it's just not something that that you can really count on. The, the task of keeping students from over-relying on AI, you know, to create, to, to complete their assignments, it ends up being kind of shared accountability between students, teacher, administration, parents. And unfortunately, a good deal of the heavy lifting come from these instructors who will need to kind of rethink what their assignments look like. That's where I say, you know, I mean, it's a big challenge for a lot of these teachers who have had that George Washington assignments for a long time. And they, they, they're into this, this annual cycle of being able to grade these papers. When I started to see some things that I, assignments that I suspected were AI generated, mm -hmm. you know, I knew that there were things I needed to kind of put into place. I suspected needed to be put into place. I reached out to a number of uh, friends and colleagues in, in college and high school and middle school to try and figure out like you know what their approach was and they all had ideas they all had like you know questions they all had anxiety around what it meant to what they were accountable teaching and i myself you know i mean i i came up with a number of i don't want to say best practices they're best practices for for my class mm -hmm. sure <laughs> that i i think that i think will make a difference to, to keep from to, to get students to focus on the real work, the, the asking the questions, the critical thinking. For me to be, you know, not so beholden to, it feels like an A, you know, I mean, to, to like, a, to, to word minimums, you know, I mean, to how many, how many pages, you know, I think we all, like, at some point in our, in our career said, well, I think I need to increase the font size to make it uh, three, <laughs> three, three or four pages. You know, with, with AI, you know, that's not an, that's, that's not an issue. You can that have pages true. and pages of, like, you know, content, but what we need to do as instructors is establish parameters around our assignment so that we can focus on what the student did, which was the critical thinking, you know, which is the process around creating something, something great to turn in. Now, tell us about the metrics that you developed with your students, the students in your class, that you, you polled them about AI, the use of AI. Is it plagiarism? Is it not plagiarism? Can you share those poll results and those metrics with us? Because we want to know what students think yeah. of AI. What do those results look like, Itai? I could tell that there was a knee-jerk reaction happening and it wasn't just uh, across uh, academics. There were big six companies, legal entities that say, okay, no chat GP, it's forbidden, banned. And, and I'm like, okay, that's that's not the right approach. You know, that puts us on the wrong side of technology. Mm -hmm. So, but but again, I didn't I didn't have the answers. I didn't have the experience. So I needed, I, I knew I needed uh, more context that, that I felt would be helpful to me, you know, in my class, as well as, you know, metrics that I could share with, uh, with my colleagues. So again, just so happens I was teaching a marketing research class and I could kill two birds with one stone. So, uh, I, I leaned into them to help me, uh, you know, create a, a survey, you know, some, a line of questioning, a research project where the objective was to help other educators understand the circumstances and, and the perceptions of a student's usage of tools like chat gpt on, on school uh, assignments uh and i also um i mean while while my class were, were the guinea pigs you know it was easy enough uh to pull universities especially across the us coast to host to get uh, a nice broad data set of what students what students thought of, of ai and how they used it 
also I had in my head, okay, well, what's the worst fear for an educator? And, you know, I tried to to create a survey that could generate answers mm-hmm. that would help kind of demystify, you know, and, and reduce the anxiety around those worst case scenarios, you know, those those knee-jerk reactions. You know, so first off, for those uh, extreme knee-jerk reactions, like, okay, well, AI is going to do everything, you know, AI is is going to do 100% of the work and mm-hmm. you know, our students are going to do nothing. And, and that actually came out to be, you know, untrue. AI is most certainly not doing the lion's share of the work, you know, and actually students don't expect AI to do 100% of, mm-hmm. of the work. You know, there's actually a minority of the students, less than 15%, reported using AI on every possible assignment, you know, and for assignments where AI was used, 0% reported that AI was doing more than 90% of the work. The magic number was closer to 30%, you know, so for assignments where AI was used, AI was doing about 30% of the work, Mm. okay? So sure, AI certainly saves time, it can improve the final deliverable, but so can so it can spell check, so, so it can Grammarly. You know, mm-hmm. like those tools, expectations were tempered. So first off, most students, you know, almost seventy percent of them, they actually they didn't believe AI was actually going to improve their grade. Mm. So more than half of them, fifty six percent of them, they don't they didn't believe AI was was degrading their academic experience in any way. And and most students, over eighty percent of them, you know, I mean, completely unchanged about their commitment to their education. And I know, like in, in our previous conversation, you you spoke with someone who was like, okay, well, you know, I mean, students are discouraged with like everything that I've studied is now and now it does. It, it doesn't matter because I'm being replaced. And that's very much, you know, not the sentiment, you know, you know, students, you know, uh, are students in this, uh, of this generation used to technology and great tools. This is a, just another tool out there. They're unchanged about their commitment to their education, which is great. So as, as far as what AI is to students, you know, I mean, what I read from the data, you know, is you know, like Grammarly, like, you know, like Spellcheck, you know, like Google, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, AI is, is, is just a tool that genuinely helps students just be better students. Okay. Mm. So uh, I, I'd asked, well, we'd asked the students, okay, well, under what circumstances do you actually use AI, mm-hmm. you know? And of course we got the answers that we expected. I'm like, ah, I'm tired. I'm late. I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I need to increase the length of my paper. But that was all, it was all fine. It was just multi- multiple choice, but by a significant margin, students used AI to get a better understanding of a topic, mm-hmm. know, to help them get unstuck on a difficult topic. And I had a, a few conversations with ESL students who actually doubled down on that sentiment, you know, about how AI was very, very helpful uh, to help them just kind of overcome some of the the, the language kind of cultural nuances, uh, you know, of an assignment. And this mm. goes back to a previous, you know, conversation around, you know, I mean, uh, AI being great at being this this 24-hour resource to you know, ask questions. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? You know, I mean, what are, uh, explain further what this nuance is, you know, and, you know, I may hold office hours, but even a student who who is completely embracing of my help, they're not going to ask me questions that, that are that granular, you know, I'm not going to have the time to deal with, the, with those questions, you know, with that level of granularity. Like, you know, I mean, uh, to, to our earlier plagiarism and, and cheating, that was the biggest concern among, uh, you know, academics was cheating and academic 
uh, dishonesty. Mm-hmm. Do students, you know, think of AI or use of AI or tools like uh, um, uh, ChatGPT, a form of cheating or academic dishonesty? Uh, and of course, the majority of the respondents, you know, I mean, over 70% of them, like, no, of course not. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's the answer that, that we expect. Uh, digging digging deeper, you know, in here, you know, responses were actually, you know, um, mixed. 60% leaning no, 30% leaning yes, 10% kind of really in the middle, you know, and one of the issues that, that I think this is happening is, is the definition around what is appropriate AI usage. It's not, it's not clear, you know, and, and then two, schools haven't had a chance to really react and, and develop kind of a strong policy or language around you know, where does AI sit in terms of, you know, creative dishonesty or, or cheating. And, and like we talked about before, there's a tried and true definition and policy around mm-hmm. plagiarism. There's technology in a process, you know, there's tools like turn it in that teachers is a go-to for teachers to to enforce plagiarism and identify like you know i mean if if something has has been lifted and based off of those results you know a policy around you know i think it's uh i was speaking with uh, uh actually a cousin of mine is you know teaches ap ap literature in in, in 12th grade and, and uh the high school policy if, if you're caught once there's a conversation if you're caught twice you know i mean that's a zero on that you know if you're caught mm. three times then then it mm. means for suspension or expulsion so is the are the universities at this point again it's very early days, but are the universities at this point coming up with policies about the use of, of AI for the instructors and for the students? Because obviously you're doing great work yourself personally, but at the, at the policy level for the University of California, for instance, is there a, is there a policy initiative on how to at, use AI? At the time that these questions were being posed, uh, no, but nobody was. Uh, no university was was releasing language. If if you can, I, I'm doing this work because I'm a, a you know an individual for an individual class. So I have that level of flexibility, you know, to be able to you know craft a policy language. That's not something that can be done, uh, you know, overnight. That needs to kind of go through in approval and boards and what process. So at the time that that I was conducting this research, it was a month or two after the release of ChatGPT, so no <laughs> and, and as i was as i was doing the analysis on the data you know i started to hear some universities you know establish language one example was actually i, I leaned on a friend from the, the university of minnesota she's a phd in creative creative studies and uh, she shared with me the university of minnesota's policy it was very broad and basically stated okay, here's language that is approved and you can use if you embrace the use of AI in your classroom. Here is uh, language if you choose to for, forbid the use of AI in your classroom. And here's, you know, here's language if you're somewhere in between. This basically told me like, you know, hey, this is a university that is at least acknowledging we're not staying away from, from the technology. And we also know that uh, every class and every situation is going to be different, right. you know, but being able to kind of put that language out there, at least send the message, you know, we, we embrace the technology, instructors, we got your back, you know, we'll get, get through this together as things develop. Okay, mm-hmm. So that was one approach. Now, another approach uh, that that was happening at the time of this was, uh, you know, the New York School District, you know, I mean, they, they banned all AI from 
everywhere from mm. from from all of their computers, from their you know. And actually, to to their credit, and this this happens last month, they they just made headlines lifting all of those bans. Mm. Now, is that followed up with a policy? I, I'm not sure yet, but. I don't. I certainly don't. Don't blame them. But I, I can and, and I understand like kind of the knee-jerk reaction. But that's also kind of a lesson, you know, to us to go like, all right. Well, we also can't do that. We can't. Academic institutions can't be silent, leaving it for if we're the instructors to go like, all right, you know, figure it out. <laughs> yeah. For myself, for instance, I'm using Chat GPT. I'm using it for research for the podcast programs that I put on. I find it easier to use, and it's more comprehensive than, for instance, Google. Easier to use, more comprehensive. Um, Again, in my case, to the extent that my podcasts are spoken word as opposed to written word, I really am using those results for background research, that sort of thing. But for me, it's a very efficient way to do it. I see ChatGPT as sort of like my go-to 24-7 tutor with a PhD who I can ask any question at any time about any subject whatsoever, however trite or simple. But I, it gives me a level of independence and ability to kind of Pose any question that I like. I'm a big fan. I'm delighted with it. I absolutely love what you said about being, you know, having 24-hour, you know, answers to, you know, from from a PhD. So it, it ends up being kind of like Turbo Google. <laughs> yes, exactly. T- tur- turbo Google and and highly and in with responses that are in sentences and paragraphs. And I guess I when I do my research, I do it in writing. I haven't enabled the uh, haven't enabled the audio, so I don't actually talk to, uh, <laughs> to ChatGPT yet. I know some people who do. No, I'm I'm fascinated by it. Now, of course, there are downsides to this. You know, as we talked before we went on the air, if we take ourselves back 20 years when social media was in its in its infancy, who could have foreseen some of the negative downsides of social media, whether it's bullying practices, online bullying, online online grooming, some of the excesses that took place in our elections in 2016, 2020, to name but a few. So the Wild West early days of social media, again, produced some unintended consequences. Do you see the same thing happening with artificial intelligence? Or do you think we might learn from the mistakes that we made in the adoption of social media? I think that's a great question, and I'll take this opportunity to embarrass my kids again. Uh, <laughs> so, so this, so I've I've got two. I have an 11 year old and a 13 year old at home, and they are more savvy with social media than I was. You know, after the first 10 years of social media being around for me. But what happens at the dinner table is, well, there are expectations around social media usage. You know, what makes sense? There's a healthy level of skepticism around what they see you know i mean sure it's it's funny but is this news is this real you know and this experience that we've had with social media has given us a great primer 
to kind of go into this AI world, knowing that, uh, you know, of the, the incredible power that that AI represents, you know, I mean, from uh, from text to to fake news to deep fakes, you know, the, these are all things that we can talk about, you know, as a family and destigmatize, you know, kind of the anxiety and fear that comes out, uh, you know, that, that comes out that results from taking social media too seriously, you know, what's something that AI can can generate. At the same time, you know, as a parent who I certainly use AI, I'm not an AI expert, you know, but I love the stories and, and you know, I mean, AI is more accessible to a greater population, mm-hmm. you know, generationally than than prior technologies. It doesn't require me to, you know, know language, or, you know, know a coding language mm-hmm. or another device. You know, I mean, it's very simple to use, which which kind of opens up its accessibility to to kind of all generations. You know, and that that means the conversation can happen. You know, from uh, you know grandkid to grandparent. You know, from student to teacher. From uh, in in kind of all all directions. So. How we talk about AI is, is certainly, you know, much more accessible than, than, than it was as, as we were all trying to figure out how to use social media. Well, Itai, in the remaining few minutes of the podcast, what are your closing thoughts about this brave new world of artificial intelligence, particularly in the classroom? Uh, I, I have a syllabus too, actually. I need to turn it in at the end of the, uh, the week, and, and I'm already, you know, kind of uh, uh, incorporating some of what I'm kind of thinking as best practices for me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to make sure that uh, I can teach the students or so that the students take away from my class what I want them to. So, you know, a, a handful of things that I will make sure are incorporated in, in my next class uh, or reinforced in my next classes. It's for one thing, getting to know my students, you know, uh, understanding, you know, I mean, how it works, how they think, you know, what they're all about. Mm-hmm. You know, I certainly try to do that with every class. And I also know that's not uh, a possibility with all classrooms to be able to kind of identify uh, that that's the first step, step in, in trying to identify, you know, whether or not something that they've written was written by them with the excessive help of ChatGPT. The, the second thing actually is citing sources. I'm actually a big, big proponent of citing, citing, citing secondary sources. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's a great way to keep an, assi- an assignment grounded in the real world. Mm-hmm. Even you can't cite ChatGPT. <laughs> a ChatGPT response mm-hmm. as a source, and, you know, and, and ChatGPT won't provide a, a specific source. You can't say where did that information come from. ChatGPT, they can't, they, they won't be able to give it to you. It might be able to give you examples of relevant sources, but uh, you know, hey student, you know, if you want to to make a statement, you know, it should be cited. You know, I mean, even if that statement statement was was inspired by by AI, you know, I mean, a good use of a secondary source, it strengthens uh, and specifically ties uh, credibility to a student's point. So that is actually a more focused requirement in any writing assignments that you know that uh, uh, I assign. Uh, you know, also. Um, you know, connection to some other type of anchor, you know, that ties a relevant point in and out of the classroom back to the assignment, you know, and that could be current events, you know, I mean, AI's mm-hmm. access to information lags by, you know, a few months, you know, I mean, so even as, as this updates, it requires a student's, to, a student's perspective to kind of clearly tie what's going on in yesterday's or last, last week's news to a point that they're trying to, to make. 
you know, also life experience. You know, most of us don't have a Wikipedia page, so ChatGPT can't say, oh, well, you know, you try to say this, you know, I mean, and then also any assignment that incorporates, you know, with a relevant, more interesting read anyway, you know, AI will, you know, ChatGPT will never nuances of what's discussed with classroom. So there are aspects there that I would like to, uh, that I would like my students to kind of tie into the writing assignments that they, that they turn in. Well, Itai, how can our listeners follow you? I'm on Instagram and Facebook, but honestly, I'm most active on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn, I-T-T-A-I. Last name is S-H-I-U. You can also find my nonprofit LaunchPoint. LaunchPoint, uh, our website is launchpoint.com. Uh, or both available, uh, easy to find on, on LinkedIn. Well, Itai, once again, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Obviously, you've got a deadline to get your syllabus handed in by the end of the week. So I really appreciate you taking the time to give us a, a firsthand view of how instructors are trying to manage artificial intelligence in the college classroom. So once again, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it and look forward to future updates as we go forward. Thanks so much, Jim. It was a pleasure. My pleasure. And for our listeners, today's episode is number 423. The San Francisco Experience comes to you via Apple Podcast, Spotify, Amazon Music, 18 platforms in total, with listeners in 65 countries. Today's podcast episode is the second in our Artificial Intelligence series. Over the next three months, we'll be exploring how artificial intelligence will impact every aspect of our lives. This has been the San Francisco Experience Podcast with Jim Herlihy coming to you from San Francisco. Mm-hmm.